Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace, Lord, that we might obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need, which is continually. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that your your presence in our lives constantly feeds life to us, that your dwelling in us is a life force and a life source. There is no life outside of you. Thank you, Lord, that we dwell in eternal life in these mortal bodies. So we love you. We uh, thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. And we exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen and amen again. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, today we're going to talk about the fact that unbelief blocks the door. Amen. Unbelief blocks the door. Um, and faith opens it. So if, you know, you, we don't want to just leave you hanging uh, with a, a negative report here, but uh, you need to understand that faith opens the door, but unbelief blocks it. So we're going to talk some about um, uh, the, the uh, history of unbelief in God's people and, and how God has remedied that for us. Uh, through the blood of the cross of his son, the death of his son, resurrection, and uh, the life of his son now. So uh, if you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 3, uh, we'll start there. <clears throat> this is an interesting uh, story here where uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews is explaining to us uh, how Jesus is able to bring us out of the the um, some of the pitfalls of the old covenant, how that covenant was was in place but never worked for the people uh, because of of a thing that that they were in the habit of doing that his blood remedied for us. See, all of the things that that um, made the Old Testament weak have been corrected through Jesus Christ. Uh, just our being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, you know, it's the same Spirit and uh, um, different different functions. That's really what it is. But the thing of it we have to understand is that God has has remedied all the difficulties that come with being obedient to Him, serving Him, uh, living in covenant with Him. All of those things that he has ordained to make our life rich and our life full, uh, the, the problems that existed through the Old Covenant have been remedied through the cross of Christ. Uh, there are no problems anymore that cannot be overcome by your faith and by God's word and by the work of the Holy Spirit, the counsel of God, whatever it is God needs to give to you, to ensure your success in life, uh, that's already been granted to us. Uh, there's nothing you can do any more than you're doing to convince God that that you want him to bless your life, um, except to, to uh, as the Bible says, labor to enter into the rest of God. So we're going to talk a little bit about the rest of God and, and why that's so important for us uh, to to abandon the works of the flesh. Just get out of your mind having to do something to make God more 
interested in blessing you or helping you. Amen. Um, we have to rest in the fact that everything's already been done. And but but why is it such a problem for people sometimes? And why don't we believe that? Why do we continue to resort to dead works? And then we have to catch ourselves and 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 realize that we're working against. We're frustrating the grace of God when we stand up and try to do it ourselves or think there's something we need to do to convince God, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So anyway, um, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, uh, um, let me think, where do I want to start? Verse 8, it says, harden not your hearts. Today, when you hear his voice, that's verse 7, don't harden your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So what does that mean? That means that you can, that if you want to, you can believe God. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. See what I'm saying? You're in control of whether or not you believe God. A hardened heart is one that says, oh, that's not true. God's not going to do that. Remember the man that, that contradicted Elijah when he prophesied that tomorrow at this time in the gate of Samaria, so-and-so will be sold for this and that and the other. And the, the prophet said, you know, just just for shooting your loud mouth off. Now, you know, a lot of people would say, well... Everybody's entitled to their opinion. No, you're not. Not when thus saith the Lord comes forth. You need to shut up and listen. You don't want to be found to be contradicting or fighting God. You crazy? You'd rather cut your tongue out and go around speechless for the rest of your life than to say something out of turn when the anointing to prophesy is dominating the atmosphere. <laughs> So he just told the prophet he didn't know what he was talking about. Amen. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Many times we speak out of the flesh and instead of holding the flesh silent and just let God's word flow and see where it goes. Amen. And so here it is. It says here. Uh, he, he swore in his wrath, he swore, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. Amen. Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now, this is what the Lord refers to that whole episode as, a time of temptation in the wilderness. He was testing Israel to see if they would listen to him and obey him, and they were tempting him by resisting. So this went on for 40 years. Resist, resist, resist. I don't believe that. Uh, oh, yeah, we went up there. We spied out the land. Those giants, they're too big for us. We can't do that. Well, God says, oh, I don't care what God said. That, that that just is too hard. And see, people don't say that aloud sometimes, but they say it within their hearts. Whenever you stiffen up and, receive, and refuse to soften your heart and let that word settle in on you, that's what he's talking about. And he says, 
they saw my works 40 years. They proved me, tempted me, saw my works 40 years. In other words, they got up every morning, they had food. They got up every morning, their clothes fit. See? Even though Mary got pregnant seven times and dresses expanded on her and they contracted every pregnancy and every delivery. Amen. Their shoes, their feet swelled and the shoes grew with the swollen feet. You see what I'm saying? And the soles of them never wore out. So they got all these supernatural evidence here that God is a good God. He wants to be better to us. He wants to surpass good. He wants to go into the realm of the exceeding abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. But we got to let our the word come in our hearts. We got to quit hardening ourselves against the word of God. It says, harden not your hearts as in the day of the provocation in the wilderness where your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works 40 years. And I was grieved with that generation. And I said this, they always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Well, they saw what he was doing, but he wanted them to know more about him. See, this is going beyond salvation only, which there's some people who are satisfied. You know what salvation only brings to my mind is I'm, I'm saved. I got my ticket to heaven. I'm not going to hell. And in the meantime, I do what I want to do until the sweet by and by happens. Huh? Well, if that were true, God would show up on your deathbed. (laughs) He would like to be able to put us to work to him for him while we got some life in us. Not while you're some shriveled up cancer patient on your deathbed. And then you finally get a mercy prayer and just squeak in, you know. He wants our lives to be fulfilled. The way you fulfill your life, living for God every day. I mean, don't miss a day living for him. Live for him every day. Find out you should be getting up every morning and say, God, what's on your agenda? Amen. Quit making plans. <laughs> That's where worry comes from. You know, we sit up and think, well, tomorrow I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, got to. All them got us add up to one big worry. Huh? Either that or pretending like you're not worried, but you really are. Amen. Because you don't commit your ways to the Lord. It's very simple. Just don't have no plans. God, tonight I thank you for, yes, for today. And I look forward to tomorrow. I bless you. Amen. I will lie me down and get me up because you sustain me through the night. Thank you for sustaining me through the night, every night, Lord. Amen. Me and mine. Amen. And anybody else that comes to mind, you thank God for sustaining you. Amen. Simple things. Very simple things. But don't harden your hearts when you hear his voice. Amen. Soften your heart up so that that word can be real to you, can penetrate. And he says he was grieved with that generation. He said they always err because they haven't known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they will not enter into my rest, and they didn't. Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were saved out of that generation, out of that age group, amen, of the adults that were responsible 
to go in and fight and take land for the children and the grandchildren. See, it was not the children's responsibility to fight that devil. Huh? It was the parents' responsibility to lay up for the sons and the daughters. So you do what you're commanded to do in your generation so that you can be on time with God. Your children can be on time with God. Everything in their lives can work like clockwork because mom and dad are doing what they're supposed to do. Amen. That's what's called a sacrifice. Amen. You put aside a lot and see God will reward you and bless you. After a while, it's normal to you to live for God and do what he tells you to do. Amen. And, and, And you don't see it as so much. I can't do this because I got to do that. That's legalism. Amen. And so your life should flow in a grace, in a, a, a flow of, of um, divine empowerment. You have a divine mentality about what you're doing with your life. You have a divine understanding of who you are and what you're here for. And, and no regrets, no shortcomings, no misgivings. Thankful for everything, hopeful for the future, not just for yourself, but for others. Amen. You get hopeful for a future for somebody you don't even know whose name is written down on a prayer you pray. Amen. I mean, that's hope. That's that's the kind of hope God wants us. That's the Jesus kind of hope. He saw he had joy set before him because he saw us free of the devil's power. And we have that same joy. When we can make that available and make that provision for others. And so he made up his mind they were not going to enter into his rest. In other words, they're not going to have a life with me. When you enter into to rest, it's God's rest you're entering into. It's not some vacay or staycay because you broke. Go on Priceline and find a $39 night hotel. Pack your house up. Take take your husband, your kids, which you call a staycation. Right. <laughs> Praise God. You know, God will give you things that you don't even pay for. <laughs> Houses you don't build or pay mortgages on. He'll give you free property. Amen. I I remember. Amen. I remember when when I was in the world and in my husband and I wanted to have vacation property. I mean, you don't really just want it. I mean, I didn't. Maybe I'm odd. A little odd. But um, I mean, it was the thing. Let me put in the circles that we quote unquote traveled in. It was the thing. Everybody got the dream house and the dream job and and the vacation property, you know. And after I got saved and I started preaching, somebody gave us a timeshare, just gave it to us, vacation property. You didn't even walk, work for it, you know. Of course, you got to maintain it. You got to pay for it and all that, pay the maintenance on it. And I still have it today. You know, I've I've been tempted several times, but you know, it just haven't. It doesn't bug me to have it. Uh, I found out my nieces and nephews can get some use out of it. You you understand? But you know, once you've been to Disney World one time, the thrill is gone. And you look at the swollen feet, and I'm, 
you know, I've been baked out in this hot sun and they got swamps and gators down there and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, you know, I mean, it, it just, and I don't think I'm strange. I just, there are other things, I, you know, been there, done that, and there are other priorities. My hope is to see the glory of God. I want to see God do the things that I read in the Bible he does. You know, you get a little bit of it. You get a trickle. You you even get a, a place where you can maintain a certain level of it. But your heart always longs to see more. You know, I don't feel that way about anything that's going to be left here when I leave. Huh? In fact, I'm downsizing right now. You got me? You know, been there, done that. I don't. I don't go to eighty percent of my house. I don't see. <laughs> Not interested. <laughs> you know, what I said I go there when I have to, to to do some things. But yeah, come on now. You can only live in one room at a time. <laughs> I like having space. Don't get me wrong. But the, what I have now is really too much. I need to. To, to, you know, sell it and move on to the next great adventure God has for me. You know, it's life is just like that. It's just one thing after another, whatever God has for you. And I'm just so pleased and excited to live in the, the, the vision of God, whatever's next. I know if, if you're in charge of it, it's going to be good. It's going to be everything it's supposed to be. It's going to be wonderful. And so uh, this is how you live. I I believe, you know, this is my rest with God. He's at rest and I'm at rest. So when we talk about entering into his rest, not your rest, it's his rest. That is an ordained rest that God has given his people. So he says in verse 11, so I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Departing. That he's talking to believers who have relationship with God. And he says, you you might get to a point where God puts a truth before you that you harden yourself against it and you don't want to participate in it amen and so you can depart from the living god look at the empty chairs you see what i'm saying these are people that went along with god come on baby let the good times roll you understand what i'm saying les bon temps roulés for those of you who are in the French mood today. Amen. <laughs> but this is this is what people want. We want the fun. That's why people who who preach on prosperity sell so many books and tapes. They're very popular people. Now you can't tell me all of those people are trying to enter into the rest of God in order to get what they get. They want to bypass God and get the goodies. You understand what I'm saying? It's unfortunate, you know, 
I know God, these teachings, God, they can always go extreme. I don't care what you're teaching. It can always go to an extreme. If you teach on, on healing and stuff like that can go to an extreme. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so we have to be careful to make sure that we stay in the revelation of God for why he wants people to be blessed. He wants us to have everything he promised us in the Bible. You get that by understanding his provision. And the word is true. But it doesn't take 15 years of studying the subject and 12 years of anything to get that. I'm a witness. I was I was born again. I wasn't even in a church and I realized God would would bless me. You know, financially, he was going to take care of me. And it was up to me to ask him for what I wanted and believe that he would give it to me. Just that simple. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe and not doubt. That's the hard part sometimes is not doubting. Amen. Because we think of the last time we blew all our money and didn't do what we we're supposed to do with it. That condemnation will knock you out of the faith box. <laughs> it will every single time. So it's like, can you believe? Can you stay out of the condemnation box? Can you behave yourself long enough? Amen. And, and live a repentant life long enough to get your head cleared and realize that your sins are forgiven. You can get that part straight. You can live. <laughs> if sin kept you out of the promises, condemnation from sin will keep you out of receiving. You have your hands out and condemnation says, hey, suppose it. take your hands back. You can't have that. Look at what you did. Huh? It's a self-punishing mentality. So the, 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 the labor, when we talk about laboring to enter into his rest, is the labor to, to live a repentant life, a life that's grateful to God, and, and understand that God is the one who can lead you in a life that keeps you free from sin and free from mistakes and free from condemnation you gotta live in the mind of god to stay out of condemnation you come out and start looking around and see what's what you don't have yet and what hasn't happened yet and how long it's taken you know the syndrome amen and then pretty soon you're in self-condemnation guarantee that's why the devil distracts us Look at this over here. Now, see, this over here, you don't have that yet. You've been praying for that and, and, and praying for that. And then then somebody will come up and then say, well, how are you doing? And you feel condemned because you think they know you don't you haven't got what it is yet. You understand what I'm saying? It plays real good in carnality. So that's why it's good to, to hide under the cleft of the rock, to be in his presence where there's fullness of joy. They'll pay the price to stay in his presence. Amen labor to enter in to his presence continually so he says he says unless any of you depart see that's a departing when you start thinking about what it looks like in the natural amen and not realize 
that the fact that you have obtained something in the spirit makes you rich right there. Christ living in you, the hope of glory. You mean that ain't rich? Huh? You thinking about the world's goods as riches? Get real. It's departing every day. (laughs) The wealth of the world. (laughs) See, we live in our own little closet and our own little house. But there's a bigger world out here where the devil is continually siphoning wealth away from people that God wants to have it. Got me? That's his job. It's a thief. So he says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Departing. 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 Don't come to church no more. Departing. Go to a church where you can go when you feel like it. Departing. Amen. Don't pray anymore. Well, I still pray. No, you don't. You don't pray here. You don't pray the assignment that God gave us when you were here. You mean you've cut loose from your assignment? Well, see, I was, I said, yeah, I know. You, you see what I'm saying? Always an excuse for not being faithful. Yet they want God to be faithful to them, you see. So there's a little thievery in there, if you ask me. See, they've let the thief grab a hold of their hearts. That's what Israel did. They didn't want to work and obey God and get it the way God said, get it. They wanted something else. They wanted to steal it. That's okay. I don't care. You know, you right. But he says this, exhort one another daily while it is today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's what we're doing now. We're exhorting one another. Encouraging you to stay with God. Encouraging you to do what you can to let your faith carry you through life. Amen. But exhorting you to hold on to the assignment God's given you. To hold on to to the ministry he's given you. All believers have a ministry. See, we're in, in see what happens is when you depart from from what God's given you, you're not a believer anymore. Huh? Believers obey God every day. Believers have a ministry for God. They're they're here for they're obeying Mark sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Huh? Definitely. That's what believers do. The Bible says that. These things signs shall follow those who believe. Ask some of your backslid friends when's the last time they prayed for a sick person? Huh? When's when's the last time you actually really prayed? Instead of just talking about. (laughs) See, don't get don't get deceived, folks. Don't cross that line. And thinking people are, you know, doing okay just because they still talk to you about God a little bit. See what I'm saying? Anybody can throw you a scrap. 
Stop living off their scraps. Start living in the fullness of God yourself. Amen. See, when you live in his fullness, you don't put up with people's foolishness. You know, you don't you don't fellowship with people who are halfway in and halfway out. You know what I'm saying? You you got better taste than that. See, I want to find somebody who puts me under conviction the way they live and work for God. You got me? Who makes me feel ashamed of being satisfied with my little bit or what I'm doing, you know? Just it's just this is what it means to exhort one another. Amen. To encourage, you know, you can do more. You you can do more for God. God wants you to do more for him. He wants you to go into the depths of his spirit as his servant. Amen. And so don't get it twisted, folks. See, all these these ideas people come up with, they've been thought of before. To wrestle us away from divine life, divine purpose, pleasing God, letting God please us, relationship, all of that. That stuff breaks down when you fellowship with people who are half in and half out. You you can't hang around them people and you can't get interested in what they're doing. Let them get interested in you for a change. Yeah, well, that won't happen, so that'll be the end of the relationship. <laughs> He says, but exhort one another daily, every day, encouraging each other. Huh? I had a good time of fellowship and worship with God. You know, he told me, so, I mean, this is exhorting one another. We, we don't have to prophesy to each other all day long and browbeat each other and question each other and all that kind of stuff. We say, you know, God shares something with me. And I thought to myself, man. There's always something new to find out in God. That's the excitement believers live in. Or God showed me something, and and I didn't realize it, but this had puzzled me for years. See, this is the revelation. This is the unveiling of God. This is opening up areas and bringing light in where we weren't even aware there was darkness. You understand what I'm saying? Like God can drop an idea on you that comes out of nowhere and you say, God, I didn't even realize I didn't know that. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I mean, I like stuff like that. I don't know about y'all, but I like stuff like that. I care less to hear about somebody's dirty laundry and nonsense people. You know what I'm saying? Stuff that needs to be repented of. He said, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Amen. It's a deceiver. You think you're doing good and you not. Amen. Amen. He says, while it is day, he says, for we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, not wavering. Not getting off the bus and getting back on. Huh? Not not vacillating up and down, up and down, up and down. One day you're steadfast, the next day you're not. See what I'm saying? Mood swings. 
every all of that kind of stuff. Not that kind of stuff. We're to hold fast, our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt uh, came by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Amen. So those people, because they didn't enter into the rest with God and the rest of God, amen, and let God carry them through. See, this is the deception. People on the outside who are fighting to try to get blessed. You you understand what I'm saying? They don't realize they're on the outside. They think they're on the inside where everybody else is. But their lifestyle doesn't measure up to inside with God. You got me? The the heart the heartfelt aspect of it is not there. It's going through the motions. They kind of know better. I mean the Holy Spirit lives in them and He can tell them, you know, the truth and help them to get over into the things of God. So that they can really have the life that they want. Everybody wants the good life. They want the blessings. They want a good family. They want a good marriage. They want children that are, are healthy and whole and, and, you know, do well in school. Everybody wants good things. But you've got to get over 100% in with God to get the good. And then he can give you the better, and then he can give you the best, but you got to get in where the good is first. And see, many people watch everybody else, say, in church or in, in a ministry or in a congregation, and they measure themselves constantly against who else is there. And see, when you fall far enough behind in what you're doing, then it's difficult to catch up. You don't realize you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You look at him and he'll say, girl, you're doing good. You know, the Lord's told me that before. I'll say, God, I sure wish I could do this and do that. and do." Morris Cirillo had an interesting conversation with God one time. He was, he was aspiring to, you know, do more like we we always say do more in ministry. Well, you want to do more because you have a vision of the glory of God, and we're not there yet. So everybody who's serving God has the same vision. We're going towards something glorious. And so Morris said he told the Lord one time, God, God, I, I wish I was, I wish I was different. I, I wish I could do more for you. I wish I was like Moses. And he said, God told him, he said, Moses, what do you want to be like a murderer for? He said, well, then, I, I want to be like David. Why do you want to be an well, adulterer and a murderer? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? When we measure ourselves against flesh and blood, we find out we're in pretty good shape. Or at least we're all the same. You can say that much. Amen. <laughs> we're all in the same boat. And so this trap this is the trap of the enemy. Measuring ourselves against ourselves. 
Amen. Or, or being dissatisfied with where you are and saying, oh, if I could do this better, if I could do that better. And we think we sound pious. Like we think we're saying good things to ourselves. But really, you're bringing condemnation on the blood of Jesus, which has paid for you to be exactly where you are today. God don't want you no further ahead. He don't want you no farther behind. He wants you right where you are living by faith he doesn't want you setting goals for yourself get a grip the bible says the act the the works that that we do are foreordained from the foundation of the earth you're trying to get something changed and altered that's been set before you even got here and you just got here however many years ago you've been born and you think you got a new agenda ain't nothing new under the sun So you might as well give it up and fall in line and say, God, please help me to be happy with my life the way it is. You understand what I'm saying? It's kind of a good prayer to pray sometimes. You know, God, if I never get whatever it is, you think it's the big item, big ticket item in your life. Just help me to be, help me to have a happy life and a content life right where I am. Amen. I did, I did ask God that many, many years ago because I was coming out of a depression and I realized how many years had gone by that, that had to be spent where I was. If I could have come out faster, God would have brought me out. And I said, Lord, help me to be content with my life give me a happy life right where i am if it if this is as good as it gets help me to accept that and be content with that yeah you know it that takes the sweat out of your life because every time you hear somebody's testimony or every time somebody puts a teaching on youtube or something you think well i gotta have that maybe i should be doing that or maybe I should be there. Maybe you know we 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 all live in a little bit of doubt and insecurity about ourselves, and the enemy likes that because he can play into it. And if you're discontented, the chances of you moving on and not living in a daily exhortation to keep on serving God are very great. The discontented. This is what was wrong with Israel. They were not content. They murmured. They complained. They grumbled. They did everything but believe and obey God. And they continued to drop dead. They continued to drop dead. They continued to drop dead. And God had two examples standing around them, Joshua and Caleb. They never got sick. They never died. They buried everybody in their age group. You understand what I'm saying? It's like somebody should have woke up and said, you know what, maybe it's something to that belief in God stuff. Maybe it's something to that life. Amen. So anyway, he says, don't harden your heart like they did back there. Because for some, when they had heard, did provoke. Amen. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they should not enter into his rest? In other words, you ain't going with me. 
unbelievers, doubters, stay home. This rest is with God, not by yourself. This is not your rest. This is God's rest. When God created man on the sixth day, it said on the seventh day God rested with the his creation. He didn't just go to heaven and leave everything down here and go take him a nap. He rested with his creation. Amen. He rested with Adam. Because on subsequent uh, uh, accounts in Genesis, God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. So that that means that they were not working anymore. They weren't laboring anymore. This was a holy period for God to be with the man that he created and enjoying the creation that they had that 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 God had made for him and put him in the midst of it. You can't rest without God. The devil will drive you crazy trying to find a a a, a cheap airfare so you cheapo air so you can go somewhere and 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 have a quote unquote good time and it's not even paid for come on y'all there's an ordained rest for us and to rest with god amen rest with him so um they could not enter in because of unbelief what were they entering into God's rest. The rest, this was a God-ordained rest because God knows what he's doing. It's like when you get a new car. Everybody wants a brand new car. I don't know why. You got to have brand new habits to take care of one. I'm not even going there. But but when you enter into the rest of God, it is God-ordained. God created everything. He created man. He intended to for man to rule with him, not apart from him. When the enemy, when Satan was able to separate the man from God, that's when disaster struck. As long as as the man and the woman were in God's rest, then they were everything was cool. They ate of the tree that they were supposed to eat of, lots of trees they could choose, just one they couldn't. Amen. And so when the serpent intervened, he was able to deceive the woman, and the man, because they were one, went along with it. You got me? It, it wasn't like Adam could say to Eve, I ain't going, nah, I ain't eating that. They were one. In other words, do the right thing. See, there was a Spike Lee joint back there in um, Genesis 3. Do the right thing, Adam. And he did the right thing. He lived up to a vow. He said, I'm going to leave father and mother. Uh, Who was his father and who was his mother? Yes, ma'am. So he divorced God and clung to his wife. He kept his word. He was more of a man than some of these preachers tell him. Ah, he should have slapped that out. I said, Adam didn't slap his wife. You heathen, get out of the pulpit. You're going to act like that. 
you go slap your wife. Should have slapped that apple out of her hand. I turned the TV off. I said, I ain't looking at you again. You got that kind of something in you and you stand preaching up for God? You should know better. Dishonoring your father like that. Accusing Adam of wanting to slap his wife. Just because you want to slap yours. This thought, where'd the thought come from? Didn't come from me. I'm just repeating what I heard. So the rest is God ordained. Amen. It is God ordered. In other words, you won't do anything for God. You won't, your faith won't work if you don't enter into rest with God and the rest of God. To rest means to trust God and cease from your own labors. Like Abraham was fully persuaded. See, he had ceased from his own labors. He finally quit trying to help God. He finally quit feeling condemnation when things didn't go fast enough. Remember that? Ishmael came because things weren't happening fast enough. Amen? So he finally gave up and walked with God like God said, walk before me and be perfect. In other words, walk closer to me and I will show you how to enter into a rest with me, Abraham. He couldn't do this without God. Well, he knew he couldn't. And so faith leads to rest. When you take on the faith of God, in other words, put your faith in God's word, then you enter into rest with God or the rest of God. When we enter into God's rest, we believe the work is done. We believe that. So he allows us to enter in when we believe. Amen. Rest is a grace. Amen. It is a a divine empowerment that's imputed to us when we believe. It gives us access to God's throne where we are free to worship. To petition, to ask, to pray, whatever it is that's needful for our lives, we have the freedom to do that after we enter into rest with God. So you see where Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, amen, because he was in the rest of God. There was no labor for him to do. There was no no, uh, toil for him. This was before the fall. Amen. So in in uh, um, God set forth an ordinance about this rest. I mean, this is just something like like do this when you have time or do this when you don't have nothing else on your plate. This is a lifestyle that he carved out for us. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Let me see if I got these pages right. Exodus chapter 20, 
in verse uh, 11, I think it is. But we'll go here. Uh, it says, and this is the, the commandments that God wrote with his finger and gave to Moses on the tablets, remember? In verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, manservant, maidservant, cattle, or the stranger that is in within your gates. No cheating. Amen. I was listening to somebody gave a testimony about they met a rabbi that he was he was out on on the Sabbath where you're supposed to be shut in or something according to their tradition or whatever they agree to adhere to. And it says you're not supposed to leave your premises. And he 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 showed him in his pocket. He had two two piles of dirt in his pocket. And he said, well, this is I take it with me. This is soil. This is soil from my house. Now, aren't you glad that covenant's been done away with? So you don't have to enter into the devil's realm to do what you think you're doing to keep God's law and ordinance. So get with them. Amen. Found some guy that would, would drive for him if he got tired of walking. He said, well, I don't drive my car. That's It's labor to drive your car, apparently. He don't drive. He pays a neighbor who's not orthodox to drive it for him. So. Thinks is thinks it's wise, amen. But anyway, thank God that's been done away with. We have a better covenant based on better promises, and those of us who are in faith have entered into the rest of God. So, verse eleven, it says, no, verse ten. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nobody, you're stranger. No, you can't palm this off on somebody else. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Amen. So the rest of God is our holiness. The Sabbath of God that you get by faith, that's where your holiness comes in. That Sabbath or that entering into rest with God and ceasing from works, whether they be works of the law or works that you think are going to curry you favor with God or going to make God happier with you or going to prove to you that you got faith or whatever it is, that is, is, is profaning the holiness of God's Sabbath. It only comes one way, and that is through faith in God. In his covenant and in his word. So so where we endeavor to prove that we're we're believing God and being good people and, and doing the right thing, where we need to labor is to enter into the rest with God. Just enter into that place where you partner with God. Enter into that place where you are one with God. Enter into that place where you believe God, where you're in agreement with him, where you're not hardened anymore, where you're open to do whatever God puts before you to do. So when you labor to find out, pray until you find out what God's called you to do. Pray until you find out how how God wants you to do. Make that your labor. Amen. 
when you do that, you're, you're, you're laboring to enter into that. You're trying to catch where he is. Amen. So you can stay there. So you can abide there. So you can live there. I'm telling you, a lot of people never figure this out. Never get to that place. Or if they get there, they get distracted by some minor something that they think is so important to obtain. You understand what I'm saying? The devil can can take a blessing and make it a curse in a minute, make it too hard for you, make it laborious, make it, you know, just put you in a cramp about something that God wants you to, to receive with ease. Amen? There are many things that we we attempt and give up on because we think they're too hard. Now, you got to find out where that too hard aspect is coming from are we adding labor to it that's not supposed to be there sometimes we just can't leave stuff alone long enough to let god do anything and he's like come over here and sit down you know my husband would do that to me sometimes i'd be doing my important stuff around the house just up and doing and he said, come here a minute. I said, I can't stop. Don't you see what I, you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes your husband is God talking to you. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> he said, I'm out there beating my head against the wall trying to make a living. That we don't, they don't take two of us to do that. When I come home, I want all of us to rest. Amen. Come on now, ladies. Get off your high horse. Huh? That's why women are dropping dead almost as fast as men are now. Heart attacks, two, three jobs. You've got to enter into the rest of God. Find out what God's, what he put you here for. What, what's from day to day? What's your, what's your portion? Huh? And, and labor to enter into a rest with him. You know, God, I just really want to cease from my labors. Amen. Now, listen, cleaning your house ain't wrong. Don't uh, don't take this too far. Don't start drifting on me. Uh, I was talking to a realtor. I had somebody come out to, you know, evaluate my house and see if we want to put it up for sale and yada yada i said well you know just do a deep clean something deep clean what you know about cleaning period you would tell he don't know nothing about cleaning nothing i said well specify you know be specific he never could tell me what he meant by that you know it's just there's some little phrase they give everybody you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's my house if i want to sell it nasty i sell it nah <laughs> That's not what it is at all. But, you know, sometimes people don't know what they mean. See, they don't know how to articulate and explain things to you. Amen. You know, I, I'm working on that. I got some I got some clean coming. You don't know nothing about. You understand what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, you know, but uh, but see, this person was dying to get in. Oh, don't worry about all that. I can just come in and say, yeah, right. But, uh, you know, whatever. So 
<clears throat> we got a question mark beside that one right now. But anyway, um, but but see, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you got to do with the, the right. See, I'm praying about it still. That that kind of stuff doesn't move me one way or the other. Whatever God says to do, I'll do. And so so God wants us to rest in him and with him, not apart from him. Because you're not going to rest apart from God. I tell you right now, I don't care how many vacays, staycays, whatever kind of K you have, amen, Cayman Islands, uh, whatever you're doing, you, apart from God, there's going to not be the richness of the rest. That's why God set apart the Sabbath and made it holy. Holiness means you get everything you want and then some. Holiness means no problems will come out of it for you. Holiness means all the bills for it are paid. Holiness means that you can enjoy it and you can look forward to more. That's what holiness means. It means it's it's a a a an atmosphere that God creates for us so that we can have a carefree enjoyable life. He's why would you go on a vacation and have all kinds of problems waiting for you back at home when you get home? All you did was run away from something. I'm going to say it again. All you did was run away from something. Cuz it's right there when you come back. Amen. Been gone anywhere. But when God ordains a rest for you, you just get up and move at his command and everything, every provision is there for you. Everything. When Israel could have gone in, they could have gone in. They had grapes that it one cluster of grapes on a pole, two men had to carry on their shoulders. You understand what I'm saying? There was a land flowing with milk and honey. It was unbelievable what God had ordained for them. But they didn't want to at least believe that's the first step. Many times, in, in, instead of believing first and letting God settle it out for us, we look at what if. What's it look like? We look for problems. Your carnal mind is the enemy of God. You had the, the best thing you can do is put a blindfold on and say yes. You got me? And not worry about the rest of it. Because he don't care about all that stuff you see over there that you think is going to be a problem. He can't do anything with you until you say yes and believe. You got to believe first. That's why a lot of people are waiting on a lot of stuff. They're not obeying the basic laws of faith. Believe you received it when you pray, and then you'll have it. Well, well, when will will when I get to see it after you believe you received it, and not before? See, unbelief always wants to see something first, and then believe. Amen. You got to believe first. Amen. And then fight so the devil don't talk you out of believing when it looks like it won't happen. God will take you all the way up to the brink and beyond. 
You understand? Because your faith has got to be strong. It's got to hold up. He can't have you getting out there in the midst of everything and then waver. Get your wavering out the way before you open the door. You understand what I'm saying? Get yourself together on that. You know how when you go to meet somebody for the first time, you rushing and sweating, and you stop and look in the mirror and make sure, you know, you kind of pat yourself down and make sure yeah, that's that's what you got to do to get in the door of faith. Pat yourself down. Get rid of all your unbelief. Get rid of all your doubt. Get rid of all your fear. Amen. And say yes to God, and then you can enter into the door. Amen. But unbelief will keep you from getting in there. You'll think you're in faith and haven't even crossed the threshold yet. <laughs> you know, like, oh God, this is the best I can muster up. Right? Is this enough? Is this okay? <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? Well, sometimes God wants to before he, he lets you across that threshold. He wants you to get all the unbelieving demons out of your head. No, because they're there. Suppose this, suppose I didn't hear from God. Suppose I didn't, you know, suppose this ain't it. If God's got something else for you, you better show up pretty soon with it. Amen. Because this is all it looks like is coming. So let's deal with this right here. But see, unbelief will keep you dancing around at the threshold wondering, is this God? Ain't this, is this what you ordered? Is this what you asked for? It is not exactly as it in the ballpark. Can he add something to it at some point in the future with your future faith? So you can at least get in the door. See, unbelief will keep you. It'll keep you on the outside of the door. Instead of saying yes to God, embracing the promise, I believe I receive it now. God's not going to offer you something that's substandard. He's not going to offer you something that's not going to be right for you. Huh? It, it, well, it just don't look right. Quit looking at it. And say yes to it. Yeah, at this point, at the point of faith, you're saying yes to something you haven't seen yet. You don't know what it might look like by the time God delivers it to your door. Hello? God's amazing, folks. You you ought to at least give him credit for that. That he'll do exceeding and abundantly beyond all you ask or think. Amen. So he's willing and able to do that. But you got to say yes. And you got to mix your faith with that. You got to believe and quit taking your faith back. Believe on Friday and then, then by Monday morning you're back in doubt again. Huh? So entering into then in in the best way to live for God is leave your faith in Him all the time. Don't ever withdraw your faith from God. Know what that means? Always be meditating on the Word. Always add more Word to what you got. Amen. Always be seeking to get closer to Him through worship. And through praise and, and understanding the things of God. Stay in his in his place. Stay in his presence. All that kind of stuff. Helps your faith. So God rested on the seventh day from the work that he was doing. 
And work, what was his work? When God created everything, what was his work? His work was saying, let there be. That's all he did. That was work to him. He busted a sweat saying, let there be. Huh? So after the seventh day and, and, and when the sixth day came, he kind of got a little more active. Huh? He sat in the mirror with a pile of dirt. Huh? He made man from the dust of the ground. Uh. How'd he get dust to stick together? Anybody want to guess? That would be nice, would it? But that ain't it. It's something that had his DNA in it. Spit. There we go. That's why it worked for Jesus. See, I'm convinced your spirit man has a memory from creation. Because it still works. Spittle made clay, put it on his eyes to bring life back to his eyes again, just like it was when they... So God's sitting there. You ever notice why people do that sometimes? Roll up your sleeves, spit on your hands. Your spirit man remembers. Even though we're in a fallen condition, we ain't totally gone. Huh? So, so he exerted himself a little bit more. He sat in the mirror and would, you know, spit on his hands and fashioned man. Took time with him. Amen. And then when man was created and looked at God, he found a kinship. Amen familiarity a peace a comfort a rest so he entered in man was made and came came alive and the next day he rested in god and with god and god has been trying to get us back there ever since amen to get back to that day he said i remember day seven we were chilling we were resting everything was cool you were holy because i was holy I want to bring you back to that rest of holiness. See, when you really live in a mind of holiness, there's no condemnation. You can't think of anything that's wrong in your life. I know that's hard to believe for some of us. It's a little hard to believe for me sometimes. But I say, God, I know I can be there because I know I visit that place. And I know I dwell there until the devil makes me remember something that's not right. You ever have a string of really good thoughts in your brain? And all of a sudden, some pops up and say, you can't think like that. Remember this and this and this and this. Huh? So we go back and forth a little bit. But boy, when we're there, we love it. The first time you believe you receive something when you pray, and you feel peace and contentment and joy, and no condemnation and holiness, and you know it's yours. God wants us to live there all the time. Huh? 
He does. That's 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 our abiding. That's holiness. So it says he sanctified the Sabbath, made it holy. Amen. He rested on the Sabbath with the man that he created in his image because his work was done. Amen. The work of saying and fashioning was done. And so the seventh day is the seventh day means complete manifestation. It means you're not waiting anymore for anything. That's why the Bible says you can be healed at any time. We're living in the seventh day now. Amen. We're living in the Sabbath of God. We're living in the rest of God. Everybody who names the name of Christ and lives by faith can enter into this. Amen. And this seventh day was complete manifestation. Everything God created was there. Every purpose was established. Everything that God wanted was there. So he rested with the man that he created. But the seventh day, we are entering into a place of total manifestation. That's why every now and then when you can get the faith working right and get carnality out and and, and just let it go and enter in with God, you see miracles. See, this is why miracles happen at the hand of God and faith the faith of his people. You don't see them 24-7, hot and cold running. But they come through, they break through periodically when we enter into that perfect place of Sabbath rest and faith in God. They just do. And so you can receive a miracle at any time because of that. Because God has sanctified that and made it holy. And in other words, anything holy can happen. Anything perfect, good and perfect can happen. Anything that I've ordained for your life can happen without stopping, without fail, nonstop, 24-7. Amen. Because we've entered into that place. Amen. So the work of saying and the work of fashioning man was complete. There was a, a, a rest is a time of total manifestation and expectation and enjoyment. So manifestation shouldn't stop with just one healing that you got from God years ago. And you'll see there are many people that may have a testimony of where, where God did this for me. And it, how long ago was that? Years ago. He wants us to live like that every day. Now, I don't criticize people of their testimony, but it should dawn on us to ask God, God, that was so wonderful. How do I keep that going? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you really do want to want to live in that realm. And it's possible because he's declared this the age of rest of his people, that we can can move away from labor, works of the law, and believing that, that sin is a problem for him. It's a problem for us because we don't let him in enough sometimes. But it's not a problem for him. Amen. He paid the sin price already. All we got to do is get with the program and get to confessing, amen, and get to getting washed, amen. When you're washed, you have no recollection of what you did wrong or you're not supposed to. Yeah, you might be able to conjure it up, 
but you don't live in the conscious awareness of it all the time. Or it would be a stumbling block to you, like it was when we were in sin, when we were sinners. Amen? We don't live like that anymore. We live so free, it makes the religious people jealous. You tell them about something God blessed you with and you didn't go through their their legal routine to get it. And you see how they feel about kingdom living. Amen. So unbelief is really a refusal to trust God. That's what Israel was guilty of. They refused to trust God. So what happens when you refuse to trust God? You start trusting in other things. Because you're going to put your faith in something. So they began to dab dabble in worshiping the gods of the pagans that lived around them. Amen. They began to stray away from God so much so that at times God would threaten to, to kill everybody, you know, because of their rebellion. Amen. So so the the there was complete so when you enter into as a New Testament Christian, when you enter into the rest of God. That means that your time of manifestation, expectation, and enjoyment of life is here. So it's total manifestation. Anything can happen. You can have anything. Expectation, oh yeah. Just stay in that rest with God. Stay in faith for the things God's wanting to give you. And you can have that. Amen. He wants you to live like that. When you get into unbelief, you drop out of that zone because you refuse to trust God and he can't have any fellowship with you. And so he wants to have fellowship with us for our benefit. Amen. He's not trying to keep us from having fun. He wants our fun to be on a very high spiritual level for us to realize who we are finally. Amen. And to live it out. All creation groans waiting for the manifestation of the, you know, a manifestation for us to get up and, and enter into God's rest and partner with God and what God wants to do. He wants a joy to cover the whole land. Amen. Not some false enjoyment that comes with drugs and alcohol and, and all of that. He wants real joy to be poured out. Amen. But righteousness and holiness have to come first. You can't have joy without those two. Amen. Not the joy of God. So so we cannot take unbelief lightly. We we must endeavor to believe. Amen. In in Hebrews 4 uh, chapter 4 if you'll drop down there real quickly I'll just start this and I guess we'll we'll have to finish it up tomorrow but I did want to show you. He says 4 verse 1 let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us Entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So what you want to do is make sure you're not missing anything that God wants you to partake of. Isn't that amazing? We we sometimes strive and worry if we're going to get some crumbs, and he wants us to make sure we got we clean our plate. Huh? He wants to set a bigger table for us. He wants us to enter into his holiness, come and dine with the, at the Father's table. Amen. There's a place set for us every day, all the time. And it's a place of resting in confidence and faith that God wants us there with him. 
He's not counting our sins against us anymore once we confess them. You're not trying to hide something from God and hope he don't catch you. You understand what I'm saying? We used to live like that. I know I did. And after I was saved, I didn't catch on. Nobody does automatically day one. You walk into it, amen? He has to reveal these things to our darkened souls. And you have to be open to the word, to meditate on the word. Keep your mind cleansed and keep yourself free from the devil's condemnation. Amen? He's nipping at our heels all the time. He's looking for an opportunity to pull us back into unbelief so that we can think it's all lost. Amen? You think it's over. Think he's given up on us. See, that's the big lie. Amen. Little lies are, are you know, we're not good enough. We're not. But but once you, you get beyond that, you, know, you get beyond the devil's condemnation. You get beyond. And then the, the enemy slams the door in our face. That's when it's up to us to humble ourselves and say, no, I'm going back in the door again. No, this door is not closed to me. No, I'm going to get it anyway. No, God's going to do it because he said so, not because I did everything right. When you can get to that place and insist that that door, God, you open this door and I came in faith and you didn't close it. The devil closed it. The devil, you get off my door because I'm coming through. I'm in the rest of God. I am trusting God. I'm believing God. I'm like the widow coming to the unjust judge. She knew he didn't care nothing about her, and she didn't care he didn't care nothing about her. Hello? You got to be like that. Like the Syrophoenician woman. I might be a dog, but I got a dog at home and I give him crumbs. I know God ain't ain't mean. He's more loving than I am. So my baby can be healed off the crumbs. You don't have to give me a portion that belongs to your so-called kids. Amen. You can give me the dog's portion and I can get healed off that. You understand what I'm saying? Learn what true humility is. What it means to put your confidence in God, your trust in God, your faith in God. Once that door opened to you and you walk through in faith, that door never closes. The devil will slam it and make you think it's it's all over for you. But you and your faith will insist that that door swing open again. God, I'm not done. I'm not quitting. You open that door and I know it's still open for me. See, that's when you get start to get into the total rest with God. Amen. That's when the biggie comes to you. Amen. Or part of the biggie or whatever you want to call it. When that door seems a slam, if you can say, God, you didn't close this door. Because I've already been in this door with you and you're not a man that you should lie. You're not the son of man that you should repent from from loving me and being kind to me and giving me the things that I desire. You, That's not who you are, God. You're bigger than that. And I know you'll open this door for me again. So I'm going to stay here with my foot in it. Huh? Keep thanking him. That's putting your foot in it. Once the devil has tried to close it on you, keep your foot in there. Keep thanking him for hallelujah anyhow. Amen? This is one of them he going to do it because he said so. God, you told me you were going to do this for me. 
And if I've been jamming things up by trying to do too much, let me get my hands off of it. I repent. Amen. But I'm believing you to let me in that door. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing that comes with your holy word. We thank you, Lord, that you are God. Above you, there is no other. And we bless you, Lord, and we thank you for blessing us for this with this Sabbath of holiness unto you, that we are set apart for good works, that you have foreordained that we walk in them. We may not believe it. We may think that we thought of what we're doing, but this was your idea. And you're going to carry it through, and we thank you for it. And we bless you, and we praise you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our true friend, our BFFFF. Amen. Forever and ever and ever. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. And I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.